Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. All right, it's great to be here on Tent Talk Together. This is Nancy McCrady. These are readings from The Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke. Get a cup of coffee. Take a seat, my friends, at the Father's table and listen carefully. Whether you're driving in your car, you're relaxing at home, you're on vacation, wherever you may be, do not rush through these readings. Let them soak in. Let them take you to the Scripture. And my friends, take on the viewpoint of the Father. The days ahead of great glory and great trouble are going to require those who are seeing everything from his point of view. I love you all. I pray these episodes will be very encouraging to you. All right, let us continue on with the reading of The Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke in my book. This is chapter four, Living for the Whole. While men are engulfed in the part, salvation, suffering, sin, and tragedy, it is often difficult to see the whole, his purpose. Yet God is ever seeking to lift everyone to an intimate awareness of his ultimate intention, which transcends suffering and transmutes it into a participation in a greater fellowship in God that is creative, purposeful, and ultimate. This means truly living for the whole. One morning I went to the back door to call our three-year-old son. I planned for him to go with me to town on an errand. As I opened the back door to call, I saw him, but what a predicament he was in. The little fellow had been playing in the garden and had fallen in the mud. So as I called him, it was now with a twofold purpose. There was the overshadowing purpose, taking him to town with me, but there was also the incidental need of washing up, which must be incorporated into the purpose. I must first minister some grace so that my purpose could be fulfilled. After I had cleaned him up and changed his clothes, the little fellow attached himself to a new toy which he had just received. Immediately, he became so engrossed in playing that he was completely lost to the real purpose for which I had called him in. He enjoyed being delivered from his muddy predicament and dressed in clean clothes, but seemed wholly unconcerned about my original purpose. Daddy, he insisted, let me stay home and play. Suddenly I realized how easily God's children can partake of His grace and receive His good gifts only to become wholly distracted from His original purpose. It reminded me of Paul's significant statement to Timothy, his young son in the faith. Quote, God hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. End quote. 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. We notice that God's calling is now twofold, according to purpose and grace. The apostle knows that Timothy must be identified with God in his eternal purpose if he is to stand in the midst of afflictions and pressures. Thus he exhorts Timothy to recognize that he is not merely called according to the grace of God, but he is also called according to God's own purpose. 
Although God knew from the very beginning that Adam would take the downward turn and it would be necessary to incorporate the ministry of grace, we can be sure he did not intend that fallen man should become so enamored with the calling of grace that he would overlook the call to realize God's purpose. Yet, this has been the inner perversion of all Adam's fallen sons. Man is ever prone to interpret God's work as it benefits and relates to him without concern for the realization of the yearning desire hidden in the father heart, taking the part for the whole. Perhaps the blackboard drawing will clarify the reason for this perversion which appears even among those who despise this selfish man-centered approach to life. Suppose you were starting on a long trip, A to Z, to reach a certain destination, But at junction W, you took the wrong road and driving on, unconscious of your lost predicament, at X, you suddenly found yourself far from the main road. Upon inquiry, you learned there was a beautiful road, X to Y, leading back to the main highway. When you reach Y on the main highway, you were overcome with the beauty of the road by which you returned to the original route. So there you camp and spend the day telling everyone of the way out. A week later, you were still there telling your great experience of getting out of a lost condition. A year later, ten years later, you are still there telling all who will listen about your wrong road experience and the wonderful way out. Somehow in all of this, why became the goal, when it was really only a gateway to the ultimate destination. You allowed the off-road experience to overshadow the purpose of the entire trip. Thus the part became the whole. You forgot that there was another purpose for the journey and another destination. This may be a homely little illustration, but it gives a graphic picture of how the redemptive phase of God's grace may be allowed to overshadow God's original intention. What nearsightedness this causes, this interpreting of God's purposes as they are related to us and our welfare. Who could rightly say that redemption was intended to be the central theme of God's universe any more than we would insist the off-road experience was the whole trip? Of course not. Before redemption ever became necessary, the Father had an original purpose which did not necessitate redemption for its realization. However precious and wonderful redemption may be to fallen, wayward humanity, it is only one phase of God's great plan. God did not plan that man must sin so that he could use redemption as the glorious means of demonstrating his grace. God's purpose in calling is much greater. But it would be equally wrong to assume that God was caught off guard in man's fall and that redemption was but an afterthought. Surely his foreknowledge comprehended full well what man as a moral agent would do. Thus long before Adam was created or before he sinned and turned to his own way, God perfectly incorporated the glorious means of redemption into his plan and thereby demonstrates the riches of his grace. Thus God could remind us that Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13.8 who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. 1 Peter 1.20 Called to Ultimate Fellowship 
Finally, we must recognize that God's calling is to a glorious participation, not in mere parts, but in the whole. And this participation of fellowship, the same word koinonia in the Greek, is always up to the measure or level of our experience or revelation. Sometimes we think it is difficult for us to find much fellowship with those whose interests are so different from ours. What about God, who seeks to fellowship with man, yet finds him centered in himself and his own little purposes? So our Father is ever seeking to move man beyond the shallows to the ocean depth itself, from living only in our purposes to becoming alive to his purposes. Notice the progression of our fellowship with him and with others. First, we are called into the fellowship in the gospel. Philippians 1.5 This is wonderful, for we share in the common experience of God's wonderful grace, but it is only a beginning. Then as we learn to walk, we are led into the fellowship of the Spirit. Philippians 2.1 And thus we recognize the call to walk after and be filled with the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit lives only to make Christ more real, and so we are called into a deeper fellowship with His Son. 1 Corinthians 1.9 What could be more wonderful? But as we share his mind and grow in this fellowship, we are, like Paul, called into a fellowship of his sufferings. Philippians 3.10 Here is the call to those who would enter into a fruitful ministry like the Lord Jesus, living unto the Father and sharing his resurrection power and authority. We are convinced that none will continue long in this fellowship of sufferings unless they have, as Paul exhorted Timothy, moved into a larger fellowship in the Father himself and his own purposes. Accordingly, Paul unveils his own deepest concern in calling all men to see what is the fellowship of the mystery, Ephesians 3.9. Here is the ultimate in fellowship. Yet there are many who are content to leave it a mystery, They have never realized there is a participation in the Father whereby we might share in that which from the beginning has been hid in God. But now, Paul reminds us, it is God's intention to make known by the church His manifold wisdom. Surely this is His call to the church to live in the eternal, to participate in the glorious purposes and intention of God. It means that we should live where all the parts find their perfect integration into the whole, his intention. One casual look around us in the church today reveals that men have become occupied with various parts of truth. Truth thus accepted determines the level of their fellowship. Some read the Bible as though it were only a book of salvation. Thank God it is that, but it is more. Others read it as though it were merely the book of the kingdom. It includes that, but much more. In other words, says R.B. Jones, it reveals the ultimate purposes of God in Christ. It also shows some of the ways by which Satan has hoped to thwart God in the attaining of his ultimate purpose, his grand end. The salvation of men is not an end in itself, Neither Israel nor the church represent the ultimate in God's purpose. These are rather parts of a great plan. Some of the things incidental to a design mightier and more magnificent even than that found in themselves. To fail to recognize this is indicative of serious defect in spiritual vision.
What does this all mean? Simply that we must move to a God-centered position from which we can properly understand the whole and relate all the parts. Simply that we cannot long fellowship with the Son and share in His dedication and sufferings before we shall come to a revelation of the Father such as we have never known. This is the Son's greatest delight, revealing Him. Then we shall find our basis of fellowship with the Father becomes an expanding, growing participation as we learn all that He has ultimately intended for Himself, for His only begotten Son, and for His many sons. What an invitation to live in such unspeakable fellowship, participating in the ultimate. We shall see what it means. <laughs> I read this, my feet are tapping, my heart is pounding, and I say, oh yes, Father, could this be so? Reveal this to me and to my friends here on Tent Talk, Father, that we might eventually see everything from your point of view, that we might not get lost along the way, that we might not forget why it is that you called us to yourself in Christ to begin with. Anything in our lives, Father, that has taken precedence over you, anything that we're enamored with that isn't you, reveal it, expose it, that we might, in our freedom, put it aside and bring ourselves to you because you have pursued us with love and great calling. So my friends, I commit all this into the hands of God, and I commit this reading of the ultimate intention to you. Listen to it carefully, my friends. Let it break you open. Oh, let it cause you to sit at his table and to know him. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.